Shepherd, me, I'm on vacation this week. And we have decided that instead of going down to the limelight and tap dancing and making a fool of myself this week, uh, we're going to play a tape of one of our previous limelight shows. Now, that doesn't say you don't, you can't go down to the limelight yourself, but old Shep, he, he just won't be there. And so I hope tonight you will enjoy a replaying of one of our limelight broadcasts of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've played it here at the station, and uh, we've uh, had a couple of fights over it. But we hope that you might find a few moments of it amusing and entertaining. And so now, in just about eight seconds, WOR will start rolling the tape. And once again, you're going to hear the tape Gene Shepard lashing out at the world from the limelight. Before we start, let's all give our own egos a big rounding cheer. Yeah. We're great, aren't we? Great! Great! Yes, sir, mankind is the greatest thing in the, in the whole cosmos of the animal world, right? Great! Down with the squirrels! Boy, those lousy giraffes. Yes, you realize uh, we are, you know, we're mankind. We walk around on two feet. We're the only animal on the face of the globe that actually can get snotty. You know, aggressive and dig. There's no other animal that eats pizza. That sets us apart from the beasts of the field, doesn't it? <laughs> Four squares, they don't know about frozen maldits, do they? Well, we are now down at the limelight. Well, that's a sobering thought. It's, it's, it's a sad thing to contemplate that thousands of Americans have nothing better to do on a big holiday weekend than to sit around down here on Sheridan Square drive around in cars, listening to their radios, waiting for it to happen. Are you ready for it to happen? What is it? What is the it that we're waiting to have happen? Have you ever had this feeling in your own life, your own life, that you've been ad-libbing up to now? that the real thing hasn't started yet. No, really, that's a serious question. That you, you've been fooling around and you've been kind of putting little blocks together, you know, and you've been walking around, going to the store and buying clothes and smoking cigars and looking out of the window, and life itself has not started yet. I mean, the real life. You know, the kind like... You know, the people in the magazines live, the people in the novels, the Holden Caulfields. How many Holden Caulfields are here tonight? 
Hi, there you go. Pimply-faced little louts. Yes. Oh, yeah, this is a problem, you see. And this is one of the reasons why mankind, thousands of years ago, created the holiday. The holiday gives you the illusion of having arrived at a certain point that has meaning. Already, there are people, right, I'd say within five blocks of us here, there are warehorses full of people building Santa Clauses and sleighs that move. They're getting ready for next Christmas. And so those holidays are very important. Now, what do you do on a holiday? I think America, because of what it is, has got a whole series of unique holidays. I come from Chicago, and I want to tell you about Chicago. This is the greatest parade city in the world. They have parades that have gone on for three days. Just guys marching with signs and flags, guys riding in floats, other guys playing sousaphones, all marching for some fantastic abstraction like, uh, hooray. <laughs> or, uh, whoopee day. In fact, they've got the greatest holiday I ever heard of. They've got a holiday that's simply entitled, Thank God I'm a Chicagoan Day. <laughs> uh, they do. They do. They, and, and millions of people parade. Well, the reason I, 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 I thought tonight we ought to do something about this is that by a strange, almost malevolent coincidence, next week, beginning Sunday night, is National Band Music Week. There's a sobering thought. <laughs> National Band Music Week. And I hate band music. How are you going to celebrate it? A few courses of Semper Fidelis? <laughs> then the little of the National Emblem March? <laughs> well, only America would have a thing like that. Because only America has marching bands. Really? They're the only, they're the only country. You can go to England, you're not going to see 700 guys marching around on the playing fields at Eton, you know, with sousaphones and horns and with girls with the things twirling, all that. This is an American thing. And tonight, I'm going to tell, I'm going to, I'm going to tell something that I have never seen recorded in American literature. I don't think we record American life in our literature. And I think one of the most fascinating parts of our life is the marching band. You're looking at an ex-tuba player. No, I'm serious. I played tuba for seven of the most important years of my life. Do you know that if I hadn't taken up the tuba, I would have been six feet three? I'm serious. I, I, I'm telling you, it's the truth. I mean, I, if, you carry your, if you carry on your shoulder at the period when you're growing on your right shoulder, right here. You ought to see this shoulder, it's fantastic. You feel this one? Boy, this one is, this one is skinny and lower. This one is, on this shoulder right here, my right shoulder, I've, I've got a callus three inch thick. Now, have you, no, seriously now, have any of you ever really thought about the kind of reality 
that a young man learns out of playing in the sousaphone section or the trombone section of a marching band. Now, I'm not being facetious. I, I say that any kid, if, 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 I had, if I had the right to take a kid and say, kid, I want to teach you what life is about, I'd make him be in a marching band. Because you, No, I'm serious, because you see all of it. I can remember a Memorial Day parade. I'll never forget this. Every time Memorial Day comes along, I, I have a kind, of say, a kind of a sense memory taste of it. I am playing a B-flat, four-valve, con sousaphone. Now, a sousaphone is the kind of instrument, you know, you know the one that bends all the way around and goes up? That's a sousaphone. That is not a tuba. A tuba is an upright instrument that is used usually in orchestras, but it's the sousaphone that marches. And there I am. I'll tell you, you don't, you don't know the pride and the sense of power that comes over a guy, a kid, who's 15 years old and is standing there with a gigantic bell over his head that just stretches out and out that big piece of gold on his shoulder and you've got a uniform on with a plume you're wearing a coat that has brass buttons you've got tight pants and all around you is the rest of the band and the crowd is watching to see what you're going to do and in your mind is the knowledge of something no one else can possibly do. Very few people can play the B-flat tuba. You can play it. No, seriously, this is all part of it. It really is. It's, it's, you're one of the chosen people. This was my real first introduction into showbiz and the audience. Fascinating thing. I remember one Memorial Day where I, I think I learned what patriotism or let's say holidays are in America this is my first big parade in the band up to this point we've been playing in auditorium sessions you know and they got the speaker up there who's going to talk about the UN or something and they the, the principal says and now here's our speaker you sit down there and play the national emblem and all the kids file and that's what it had been up to that point and then on these beautiful spring days, they would take us out to the football field and practice our formations. Do you know what the word formation means to an old band member? It means a kind of fantastic show. You, you, you don't have the, you, you, you just can't appreciate the feeling of, of creativity, of joy, and of accomplishment when a sousaphone player makes a beautiful countermarch. Swings that horn around, and they're going this way through him, you know, and he's going this way, and then they swing around again, you know, you know, and the old horn's going, all the while you're playing Semper Fidelis. What a job. And the crowd is looking, and they're cheering. Well, we're out there practicing every, every afternoon on these quiet spring days, and finally Memorial Day comes up. And old man Dirks, there's always a character in every high school who's the band director. The other teachers hate him. He seems to be a kind of a nut. He doesn't fit in the, in the teachers' meetings because he plays a cornet. He does not know anything about history, mathematics, or geography. He's usually kind of fat. He's kind of a, a mystic. 
every band leader I know in high school, band teacher, head of the music department, is a guy who at the age of nine had an idea he was going to be some fantastic artist. And he wound up at Harding High School. <laughs> Do you realize what this does to a guy when he... And, and they always have great ideas, you see. I remember uh, poor old Mr. Dirks used to come in with 109 pieces in our band, you know, an orchestra all sitting there, a bunch of lumpy kids, all sitting waiting, and he'd say, all right, I, we're going to try something very interesting today. Pass out the music. And they would pass out to us an overture to a Wagnerian opera. I'll never forget the day we got the entrance of the gods into Valhalla. This, can you imagine the Ham and High Band, the entrance of the gods into Valhalla on a quiet summer afternoon in the auditorium, and we're sitting there, and they have these fantastic long runs. They had a thing that the, that the basses went on for 37 consecutive bars, and it looked like a cornet part for Louis Armstrong or something. Went on and on, you know, and we're all sitting there dumbfounded. And Dirk says, all right now, let's take it slow. We'll start at the beginning. Before we do that, let me play a record of this piece of music. And he takes out the Philadelphia Philharmonic. <laughs> he puts it on the thing and it goes boom, 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 boom. And we're all sitting back there cowed, you know. <laughs> and it plays on and you know, that music swells and fills the auditorium. And we're all sitting there. I'm sitting there with my bent sousaphone. Schwartz is sitting next to me with his E-flat upright. <laughs> Esther Jane is down in front with her peck horn. And it's going boom, you know, those Wagnerian tones. And it goes on and on. And you can see Stokowski there bringing it out. And Dirks takes it off. He says, all right, now you know what we're going to do. Yeah, and he really thought so, you see. That's the sad thing about it. He really believed we were, you know. And he'd say, all right now, French horns. And let me tell you, Wagner has driven more French horn players right out of their skull. I saw a guy at Carnegie Hall turn inside out one night. You just, your stuff comes right out and goes out your ears, you know, your intestines and stomach and all. Boy, these guys play, you know. So, oh, really? You, 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 nobody ever... It's funny how few people appreciate when they go to a concert. Those guys that are sitting on that stage, they're all hung in this country on directors. They're all hung on the Bernsteins, you know, and the, these people. Let me tell you, Bernstein is not playing that fantastic French horn passage. There's a little guy with rimless glasses who will leave the hall and go down and get on the BMT. <laughs> Nobody's cheered him. His gut is turned inside out. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> Let me tell you, because I know I speak from experience. So old Dirks, you know, he gets us in this afternoon with this Wagnerian entrance of the gods in the Valhalla. And it was, that was one of the first times that I appreciate adult defeat I mean defeat of the dream he listens to the Philharmonic and there it is stretched out in front of him exactly the same number of instruments 
the same instrumentation? You know, Dirks used to get these beautiful diagrams, you know, how, on how great conductors arrange their orchestras, you know, for example, the Ansermé likes to have the French horns a little bit over to the right, he likes to pull the, 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 the he, pull, he pulls the flutes in just a little closer, gets this great balance, so Dirks used to move us over a foot and a half, and he says, he said, all right, Shepard, a little to the right, he said, please play, play a B flat for me now, Shepard, now wait a minute, and I, B flat, B flat, what's the second, third, second, third, oh. Yeah, and he'd say, he'd say, all right, okay, all right. Now, oh, he says, hey, he says, Dickie, Dick, Dick, Dick Clark. We had this guy that played lead trumpet. He'd say, Dick, just a little, just a shade to your right. He says, just a shade. He says, I think the French horns are canceling your highs out. That's the way we would start. And he'd say, all right, now, band, orchestra, let's go. Play, all of you, I want to hear now. An A natural. Ooh, and it would ring. Oh, it sounded great. We could all play those single notes, you know. <laughs> and like a great organ chord, it would rise. He'd say, all right, now, now I want you to play. Play for me. He says, play me a low E natural. Ooh. And all the while, of course, you're getting this sense of power. You really are, you know, you feel like you're part of some kind of a gigantic, beautiful organ. You're part of it. And then, entrance of the gods into Valhalla. What a symbolic title. Dirks, he says, all right now. And I'm sitting there, Schwartz is next to me, Dunkers, three or four chairs down, and we're straining forward. Do you know how an instrumentalist strains like a racehorse? When he's waiting for that downbeat and he's thinking, oh my God, please, please let me hit the high C, please. He says, please, not again. I don't, my lip, please don't break on it. Please. And you sit and strain forward, you see, and you don't know exactly how it's going to come out when you're at Hammond High. And he raises the baton. He says, now, the first note, it's the first note. I want this to be a long, drawn-out echo as though it's an echo from a sound that has not yet been sounded. Do you understand? A little fat Esther Jane sitting there, yeah. Her peck horn bobbing up and down, yeah. The echo of a sound that has not yet been heard. The sound of a forest at dawn. Remember, these are gods entering into Valhalla. <clears throat> and then he raises his Sears Roebuck baton. I'll tell you how Dirks looked. He looked like a slightly debauched Oliver Hardy. Uh, he did. It was like Oliver Hardy after a real bad night who was not funny. <laughs> and he raises his baton and he says, Softly, now softly. And you hear this kind of tinkling sound. Everybody's afraid to start. And then he backs off. He says, all right, all right. Let's try it again. Now let's try it this time big and then go down. One, two. Boom. The first note is great. Oh, you get that feeling. It's out. He's very good, very good. Now come. Nothing. He says, 
Esther! And Esther's sitting there sweating. She's got the first French horn passage. Let's start over again. And all the while, Dirks is hearing in his mind the Philharmonic. How many guys through their lives, all of their lives, are hearing some fantastic Philharmonic? And they turn out to work in some little two-bit office off 46th Street with the wind and the sand and the gravel and the secretary's blowing in the window and all the while he's waiting for the real chord to begin. Well, I began to get to be part of this band, you know, this orchestra. You, you get a strange camaraderie with tuba players. Oh, yeah, and you know that among tuba players, this might interest you, there are tuba players among tuba players. A good tuba player, a good sousaphone player to me is a work of beauty and art. It's a difficult horn to play, you know. It takes a lot of control. Very little wind, incidentally, but a lot of control, taste, discretion. You know, an elephant driver has to be careful. And so a good tuba player is a, is, is, is a human being who has taste. Really, truth. And so day after day we would rehearse, and one... Saturday, Dirk says, we're coming in early and we're going to start marching formations for the marching band. And here are the members of the band who are in it. And I had made the marching unit. Sixty of us. Crack musicians. He says, we got to pick people who can play on the run. Who can shoot those B-flats out on the hip. We've got their heads about them. All right, now. Here are our formations. Mr. Wiener here, who is head ROTC, he was the assistant band director, he will work you out on the formations. We're going to work on block lettering first, and we're going to work on the big parade, which will be the Memorial Day Parade. Our band has been selected to march right up Michigan Boulevard in Chicago. Right in front of the Wrigley Building, you're going to march right past the Tribune Tower. Right past Colonel McCormick's bastion. The flags are going to be flying. They're all going to be watching you. You know, showbiz. <laughs> you know, the excitement of being out there in the middle of the street when all of your life you've been on the curb. I can't describe it. And so we're out there going through the formations. We're working on this stuff. Oh, it's, it's very exciting. They do. They have a big blackboard. Oh, it's like a football team. The big blackboard. And they have arrows, you see. Second whistle, tubas, wheel right. March forward four, four paces and wheel left. And the, the trumpet players will form it. Oh, that's very complex. As a matter of fact, you know, I think one of the, one of the most important art forms in the pop field in America is the halftime fiasco that occurs on coast-to-coast -coast television. I'll tell you, you see unbelievable things that really make the truth come out. Did you see here last year, in the middle of one of the big bowl games, the announcer says, they have a special treat for you today. He says, the band is going to do something very special, and we're going to pick them up. And out comes this great band. They march up. Then you hear... These guys start forming. Now, what the devil are they forming? And the next thing I know, they have formed a gigantic hypodermic needle. A spike. 
a spike. I figure it's the first hip band. You know? You know, I could see this entire, the whole stadium getting busted, you know? And I, I'm watching this on TV. It's a gigantic hypothermic needle. And it's filled with guys. They're whatever is in it. You know, they're all standing there. See? And the plunger is sticking out there. Did you see it? Sure. I'm not inventing it. And so the next thing that happens is a line forms and it says arm on it. And the whole hypothermic needle marches. And everybody's watching, you know. Don't tell me Americans aren't sadists. And it, they're watching and the needle is going and then it goes boom into the arm. And a gigantic letter, it forms, ouch. And everybody applauds, right? And with, shut up. And with that, and with that, the stuff that's in the needle flows out. The sousaphones, and they're playing the theme to Ben Casey. And they say, yes, ladies and gentlemen, television is now making its first national coast-to-coast -coast salute to the Ben Casey program. Ouch! I thought somebody was going to march out and, and spell out, Blue Cross is too damn high. You know? <laughs> but there it was, you know, I thought, I thought, gee, you know, this is a fantastic thing. Uh, that in the middle of the halftime ceremonies, they've given up the flags, you know, spelling out mother, USA, hooray, or God bless America, or remember Pearl Harbor. Now it's hypodermic needles. And immediately, having a somewhat warped creative mind, I began to think of some fantastic things that could be spelled out by bands. To really give them a shock, you know, <laughs> to liven up that football game. <laughs> I mean, after all, when the University of Georgia is trailing Mississippi 45 to nothing, who cares? <laughs> give them a real belt in the eye. Well, <laughs> well you know, it's funny there. I'll, I'll have to tell you, though, about, about this parade. You, you perhaps, when you're watching a parade and the band is going by, I'm sure that very few of you have any idea of the kind of elements that the band members fight. Here is this little crack unit, and they're all dressed up. You know, you're dressed to the nines in a uniform. You feel like you're on stage. You really do. And you feel what you're doing is important. And so you're marching down the street, and every 30 seconds, you get an Indian head penny in the veil. Boing! It's going around. The guys throw pennies in it. And boing! You get it. You try to play God Bless America with that going on. And, and oh yeah, and, and, and then you, you walk along and all of a sudden something mushy will go in the bell. You say, what is it? What is it? You, your mind is going, and you're trying to play the NC4 march. And you hear something crawling in your tuba. Somebody has thrown a small mitten with feet in it. And then you pause for a moment, and a strange smell comes out of your mouthpiece. You're playing, and then the next thing, oh yes, I'm telling you the real things. And then you stand out. I remember standing in front of the platform. And there was a great American, some big senator or something. And he was giving a speech 
and our band has just played the national anthem. We played it all the way through. Very difficult thing to play, I can tell you this. So we played it all the way through. We're standing at attention, and the, the man gets up and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, we have gathered here today to honor the war veterans everywhere. This is Memorial Day, and this is the day that America honors all of those who have defended America. We're standing there, and suddenly out of the crowd, somebody throws something in the bell of my sousaphone, which I was only 15, but I had a suspicion what it was. I see it coming down out of the crowd, into the sousaphone, it goes around about four times, and I stand there, and then there is a pause, and he says, before we go on now, the band will play some extra music, a medley of World War I patriotic tunes. Do I have to tell you what happened on the first note I blew? I'm telling you the truth. And so you, you, live, you, you, live, you live a life of terrible peril when you're in the band. I'll tell you one of the worst things that ever happened to me. I'll tell you, I believe it. A kid learns reality. You learn discipline playing in a band. I'll tell you one of the worst things that ever happened to me. I'll tell you, I believe it. A kid learns reality. You learn discipline playing in a band. You can't goof off. And I'm going, I'm going to tell you one of, the, one of the truly tragic days for Mr. Dirks. We had gone to the National Band Contest. You know, they have these big contests. And two days before the contest, we were a crack marching band. We had worked for three years. We were really a great band. And, I, you know, you get cocky. You ought to see a cocky sousaphone player. You, know, you just get that swagger, you know, it's like Roosevelt Brown, you know. You know, <laughs> you, know, you, know you know, you could blow this thing. And not only can you blow it, you know, you've got this great knee action, you know, on the counter marches. Yeah, you swing around like that, flip it like that. Oh, yeah, that, it brings it around with a snap, you know. We had our, we had our eight members of the sousaphone team, so we'd bring it around like the Rockettes. You know, boom, like that. Without even batting a bell together, you know, and whoop, we'd go like that. And all the while we're playing, oh, it's a great feeling. Well, three days before... The big national convention, the big national, it's the World Series of Bands. It's like the end of the kids, you know, everybody's, everybody's working towards this thing. And three days before, Mr. Wiener called a special practice for the marching band. Well, it was spring, and I am now the number one tuba player in the band. I am very cocky. And so... It was a Saturday morning practice, and I arrive, and I see them all marching around up there, you know, in the sun. It's a beautiful day. I'm with a guy from the trumpet section. We're late about 10. You know, the, the more you, the, the cockier you get, the more you play with things like transgressions of the law, like arriving a little late, you know. They say, oh, boy, he's here. Are we glad? Wow. <laughs> the anchor man of the sousaphone section is here, you know. So you play a little bit. So I'm standing back there, and Clark says to me, Look, they're just running through the same formations. Let's go out to the dunes. Saturday. It was a non-school day. And so I said, yeah, 
And so here they're, they're making the big block H's, USA and all that stuff. And so we hop on the bus and 10 minutes later we're running up and down that beautiful shore and we're yelling and watching the chicks and the sun is coming down and it's all the while they're back there marching. All these people are working and we are playing. It was the first time I was a grasshopper amid the ants. I learned about it. Wait. <laughs> and so the big day arrives. We arrived in a bus and on the side it said National Champions Class B Marching Band. We were the New York Yankees of the band world. It's a great feeling. None of you kids really probably appreciate that a band has as much guts in its own way as the football team. There was this big thing, it said National Champs. We've got medals. And so we start filing out of our bus and all the other kids at this out-of-town place, we went someplace like Minneapolis, and they're all watching us. National champs, we heard about it. We walk out. They're bringing our sousaphone cases out. You know, we don't even carry them anymore. We've got, <laughs> got a couple of freshmen, you know, that wear little letters and stuff. They say, yes, sir, yes, sir, to me. You know? And they're carrying, yeah, we were national champs, so they're carrying our equipment out. And they took us to the hotel. And Mr. Dirks, just like a football team, he's walking around in our suite and he says, Now look, I'm not going to tell you you've got to give it all. I'm not going to tell you to blow your guts out tonight. You all know that this is what we've been training for. I'm not going to tell you to do it for old Dirks. You all know my wife is on her last legs. She's in the hospital. <laughs> My kid has got tuberculosis. I'm not going to tell you none of those things. I ain't new Crockney. But I want you to get out there and belt it out for my wife, who's on her last legs, and my kid that's got tuberculosis. And my contract is coming up. You can't play Wagner, but you can walk, you can march. And tonight you're going to do the best marching you're ever going to do in your life. Little knowing that he's talking to 87 members of the future 9th Division. Oh, boy. He did not know that, nor did we. So he says, he says, okay. You're going on in 10 minutes. I want all of you to take a half a glass of water. Swish it around in your mouth, spit it out, clean your lips, and now we're going to do a few knee bends. Yeah, oh yeah, you got to bring them up when you march. He says, all right, now, let's go. All up on your feet now, let's go. One, two, down, up, up, down. Come on, trumpet section, up, down, down. Very good, all right. Relax. Don't say a word to each other. Build it up inside you. It's like an acting thing, you know. Oh, really, when you're out there marching, you've got to hold your body just right. There's got to be all total involvement. All the while, Semper Vidalis is coming on. Really involved performance. And so then suddenly there's a knock on the door and that fateful word. Ready in there? They're waiting for you on the field. Let's go. The door opens and we file down through the corridors of the hotel, out on the street, 
and across the curb, over the grass, and there is the stadium. The University of Minnesota Stadium. Great big bowl. Must have been 85,000 people sitting there. And we look up. There are bands from all over the country. New York. Los Angeles. Everywhere. We are the national champs. And the PA system... Oh, you, you have no idea what it's like to be introduced this way. Ladies and gentlemen... I take great pleasure in announcing that the next performing organization will be the National Class B Champions who took three records, seven gold medals, three silver medals, and 15 commendations in the last year in marching contests held throughout the Middle West, the Upper East Coast, and at the New York World's Fair. <laughs> That's where we had won the championship. The Hammond High School marching band, the national champions. And we come out there, our gut pulled in. My sousaphone, I have polished my sousaphone now for over six weeks. You can't look at it. You can't look at it in open daylight. Next to me, I can hear Dunker fiddling with his valves, you know, he's getting ready, you know, everybody's working, you walk down. And we had a long snake that we would make, a long, sharp, with a quick turn. We had a very quick step. We stopped. Our great line stretched across the field, and the crowd is here, just absolutely hushed, waiting to see what the national champs were going to do. In your mind, it's like an actor. You're running over your formations. You're running over... What you're going to do on the second one, the third one. You're running what you're going to do on, on the when two short whistles on the long. You see, the drum major signals what you're going to do. That means the double fan. Or if he goes... That means the great revolving circle into the double fan. So you're thinking over your signals, you know, just like a quarterback. Let's see, two longs and short, two shorts and long. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you, you, you see it, you see the diagrams, and we're waiting. And our drum major, who, by the way, was a national champ, stands out there straight as a ramrod, six feet two. He looks at that crowd with the arrogance of a champion. He turns, holds his silver baton. By the way, we did not have pom-pom girls, none of that stuff. This was a really sharp outfit turns around with his silver baton, holds it up, cuts it down, out, blows one long beep, boom, and we start. We twirl and we're off. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm standing, oh boy, you, this crowd is just silent. They're watching this like a well-oiled machine. The national champs are working. Yeah, the Chicago Bears are on the field. The Yankees are working out. And we're moving. And you can hear them saying, My God, look at that sousaphone section. We were all exactly the same height. <laughs> look at that sousaphone section. The sun shining, those great big golden con bells. We're going down that line. And then, beep, 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 boom, countermarch. Swing back, and you know, swing. The flags are flying and the crowd says, my God, what a countermarch. Look at that. It's uncanny. 
and a great roar goes up. You see, the champs are really giving them. You see, we go through all the simple, basic, difficult maneuvers, like a sharp, clean countermarch. And all the while, you know, I'll tell you what you develop when you're in a band. You develop the facility to have both eyes look at two different directions simultaneously. Oh, yeah, you can dress the line both ways. You know, you're going like this. Your eyes are crossed. You're playing separate for Dallas, and you're watching Dunker and Ernst, the whole thing. You're making a big whirl, you know, like this. The horns are gone. And all the while, you're getting more and more deeply involved. It becomes like an actor's work, second nature. You don't even think any longer. You hear the signal, you go. You move like that. It's beautiful. We are doing probably the greatest performance that we ever did. You know it, you know, when you're doing it. You could just see the crowd looking down. They're all here to see this. Band kids, people who knew bands from all over the country are watching. We move across that big sun-swept stadium. Over there is the big scoreboard. It says, Minnesota, visitors. This is the Big Ten, boy. <laughs> Believe me, this is not Fairleigh Dickinson. This is it. And we move down. We're moving down. I'll never forget this moment. We are moving towards the bowed end of the stadium. It was one of these open-ended stadiums. We are moving towards the bowed end. I see this crowd up ahead of me there. And we are playing the National Emblem March, which we had a trick in doing. We would play it sort of... We had it all intertwined with our movement and our beat. When I see ahead of me Steffi, who is our drum major, straight as a ramrod. Boy, was he a nasty cat. He really had the arrogance of a real drum major. This guy was no sergeant. And he's up there, and you see him move, and he points up at the audience like that. He marches towards him, he raises his baton, and he goes, beep, 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 beep. I had never heard that signal. <laughs> he is talking in a foreign tongue. And immediately I said, no, 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 no. And then suddenly, everywhere around me, guys are going. They're moving like this. Boom! I get belted. I get crocked right in the eye by a trombone. And I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying, I'm looking for the rest of the bass section. You know, I'm looking around. And I see they're scattered all over, going in things. It is the day I have goofed off. I suddenly see myself running along the beach, the dunes, and I am marching. I'm trying to look. I, I make a countermark. And all of a sudden, in front of 85,000 people, I was a solo sousaphone player. <laughs> the band has gone off on a diagonal heading towards Wisconsin somewhere, and they are forming some unknown cipher which I can't tell from there what they're forming, and I'm running around, and I, I swear, I, I, I'm, of course, you know what you do? Like all good actors, you don't let on. You go through a few maneuvers of your own. So I'm doing countermarches. I'm heading, see, they think this is a fantastically creative director, you know. He's, I do a couple of whirls, and I'm spinning on, way out there trying to look for an open space. I spin press, and I see Dunker, my bass partner. He's standing there like this, and he's looking. He sees Shepard go past. He's trying to give me this back estrogen quick. And I can see the crowd as Shepard makes a couple of quick whirls, moves, and moves into an empty spot and stops. 
and they crowd, a crowd goes out of its skull. They applaud like mad. You know, just when I hit, I go, boom, boom. I'm standing there, and the crowd, boy, it was at that moment that I learned the power of positive faking. Speaking of fakes and through the ball players, here they come. Let's go. Ho, ho. Here comes the tuba, through the phone match. Hey. This is this is the band from the Red Cape Fellas. All right. They're from the Red Garden. Now, wait a minute. Do one thing for me before you blow. Will you please blow them a nice, mellow, B-flat note on that sousaphone? That's just a one note. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Would you please blow a, a low E natural? All right, boys, go. Let's hear it. Come on.
Listen, if you guys don't know who these are, this is the crowd from the Red Garter. They're about a block down the street, and they come down just to blow for us every Saturday night. Isn't this the greatest tuba play you've heard in years? <laughs> hey, just because you weren't farming in the street didn't say hello. You're trying to make up for it. <laughs> Listen, it's an old band axiom. Give a tuba player his head and you're dead. <laughs> Go, man.
Come on. Okay, that was the gang from the Red Garter, and we're out here at the Limelight, which is uh, famous because it's a block from the Red Garter. And we'll be back in just five minutes after the news. This is WOR Radio, your station for news. It's certainly comfortable and relaxing watching home movies here in your nice new home, George. Well, thank you, Charlie. How'd you happen to get this house anyway? Well, we knew what we wanted, and we just sort of looked around until we found the right house for us. And then when it came to financing, we just sent away to the Federal Housing Administration for their free booklet on home financing. This FHA booklet uh, kept us from biting off more than we can chew, financially speaking. Oh, uh, c- could I have some more popcorn, please? Sure, there you are. Thank you. And the booklet gives you valuable information on the financing of a home, down payments, interest costs, mortgage terms. In other words, this book sets you straight before you decide to buy a home. And that makes home buying a pleasure and not a problem. How do I get this book? Well, you simply send a postal card to Home Financing, Federal Housing Administration, Washington, D.C. That's Home Financing, Federal Housing Administration, Washington, D.C. Right. Uh, By the way, George, have you got change for a dollar? Sure, Charlie. Here you are. Thanks. I want to buy some more popcorn out of the machine. (laughs) Two more home movies and the house is paid for. (laughs) This is the time when some city drivers invade country roads. Many have little experience driving on these byways and will be in for some surprises. Side roads loom up from nowhere. Chuck holes present hazards. Speed too fast for conditions plus loose gravel can force your car out of control or result in a dangerous skid. Be careful passing a vehicle that throws up a cloud of dust that blocks your vision. You must expect slow farm vehicles just beyond a hill or pulling out into the road, especially near farm. <laughs> 